You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. This is uh, prayer discussion number six. Okay, this is our sixth lesson on prayer. Um, What we've been talking about what we talked about last week specifically was when does intercession end? Uh, in a season of prayer and worship, which is what the Lord has said we are in, when, when does the intercession end? If the, a season, we know the Lord brings us through seasons and He brings us into other seasons. Um, does the intercession end when this season ends? Well, what is intercession first? Just review, it's standing in the gap. It is being the one willing to stand in the gap for those that are unable. It's, uh, it's what we do for Kennedy. It's what we've done for Tim. It's what we do for Debbie. It's what we've done for countless people who have found themselves uh, in sickness. But it's also what we do um, for the world around us, what we're called to do for the world around us. It's also discovering the desires of the Father's heart. It's the opportunity, an invitation, an open invitation that we all have through engagement and prayer, to discover what the Lord desires in a particular moment and then partner with not just Him, but the entirety of heaven to see it released. And that is intercession. Intercession is a tool within the ministry of reconciliation, which we are all ministers of. Every one of us has been given by Jesus the ministry of reconciliation, which He was the author of. This ministry that has been given to us is the business of building a bridge uh, for the world back to the Father, reconciling the world back to Himself. That is the ministry of reconciliation. It is building a bridge from one place to the place they're meant to be. Um, and it is a ministry that is literally standing in the gap. What is building a bridge but standing in the gap, connecting one side to the other? So does intercession end when the seasons change? And we know the answer to this is absolutely not um, this Intercession does not end because intercession is not something we simply do. Intercession is a part of who we are. If we are given the ministry of reconciliation and intercession is a tool within that ministry, then we are, by that very nature, we are intercessors, period. It is a part of your identity. The same as your name that the Lord has given you, it it is intercession as well. A part of your name, a part of who the Lord has called you to be, contains intercessor. All of that is, it is identity. We are intercessors. That is in our nature. And that is what I believe this season is about. It's not about um, just praying and worshiping and interceding for a moment. It is about connecting back to who we are, recognizing things about ourselves that maybe we have not, recognizing a new layer about who I am individually in this relationship with God, who He's anointed me to be, connecting to that because at the very foundation of who we are, we find that we are intercessors. We are ministers of the ministry of reconciliation, and it never ends. This season that we are in is about becoming things that we have yet to become, becoming things that are meant to exist since the dawn of time for us, becoming all that Jesus made available to us, becoming these things in fullness. And the Lord has specific, and we know this, that's sanctification, right? That is daily salvation of the soul that we get to participate in. It's the daily salvation that the Lord offers through sanctification, becoming more like Christ in our daily walk with Him. The opportunity of daily saying yes, of daily walking in obedience. 
daily operating in prayer, daily operating in obedience, daily being an intercessor. It's our opportunity to become these things in a new light with new understanding. It is a season to learn foundational things such as prayer and worship, to know what they are specifically for me. We talked about this last week, to understand these tools and how they work specifically within my relationship, not just for this season, but how do I communicate with the Lord through prayer? Um, I've talked about this, but I am not one of those people. When you think of intercession, most people go to like a prayer room, a dark prayer room with somber music, and that's where they go and they intercede. I am not great in those places. I will tell you, I am terrible in a quiet, dark room where all we're supposed to do is pray. That is not where I thrive. My mind will go faster in that place than it would if I had just stayed outside in the parking lot. My mind will be calmer there. And the Lord also knows, because He built me, He made me, He knows how He's wired me, He knows that I am not really great at sitting still. So it's just going against a lot of my wiring. There are moments... Don't get me wrong, where we are just to sit still, right? And there are moments where the Lord says, dude, stop. Just sit down, be in my presence. Don't do anything else. And those are beautiful moments. But a lot of the times, what I need to communicate with God and to intercede over certain things is I need activity-based things. I need to be doing something. I need to be moving. And that's, the Lord is teaching me about that in my prayer language of how Specifically, because what we talk about every Sunday, what we talk about all the time is what we're doing here in Sundown, Texas, for Sundown, Texas. We are focused solely on this community. That is this church's focus right now. We are not worried about any other place. We're worried about here. right? Take care first the house of Israel before going among the Gentiles and the Samaritans. We're taking care of our home base first before we go out. And the Lord has brought us to this place of focus on Sundown, Texas. And so how do we intercede? How do I specifically intercede for this community to partner with heaven and seeing the desires of the Lord's heart released? And it's just through action. The Lord's been teaching me this in the last few weeks. If I see a need, fill the need. Because that's how I've anointed you to intercede over this community. It's not through words. It's through time with me and obedience to me. And action, just simply loving your community. That's how I want you to intercede. That's specifically for Parker. That's not a general statement for everyone. The Lord wants to teach us specifically, how do, how do I, how am I an intercessor? What does that look like for me? Maybe it is coming up here on a Tuesday morning or a Tuesday evening when no one's here and it's dark and you just sit and you just pray. For Jay and, and Max, they used to have, and Scott Lipes, they used to have the Friday nights. That was, that was how they did it. They put on music and they would just pray for hours in this room. That was who they were. And there are times for that. And the Lord calls me specifically into those moments and it's obedience. But my every day, how do I every day operate as an intercessor? That has been a question on my heart that the Lord has been teaching me. And that's a question he has for all of us that he desires to teach every single one of us. Of how are we intercessors within this season? And to understand how to operate within these things. We've learned how to pray and worship and are so very much, we've, or we've recognized how they are so very much tied to a personal relationship with the Father. 
These things are reflective of a relationship. Everywhere we look in Scripture, we see prayer reflective of a relationship. And we've talked about how we can see oftentimes the reflective uh, the reflection of a relationship that is not son or daughter and father based, it's creator and creation based, right? They're kind of timid in the way they approach the Lord. They're timid in the way they pray, worried about saying the wrong thing, worried about offending someone around them, worried if, I don't know, can I lift my hands? Can I not lift my hands? I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this atmosphere. That You're not operating in freedom in those places. And there's a recognition in that moment that there's an issue not with how you pray, not with how you worship, but there's an issue there in relationship and connectivity to the Father, understanding who He is and who you are in Him, that you are a child of His, and He is your heavenly Father. Those with deep relationships, we see it reflective in their prayer and worship, and we saw it in our perfect example of Jesus. Jesus is perfect theology, and He was the perfect example of the life, not that that we're meant to live. We're not meant to die upon a cross. We're not meant to wander the wilderness, all of us. But what was cap- the capability we had to live a life in communion with the Spirit of God, for the miraculous to flow through us so naturally because the Spirit of God that indwells us, to operate understanding the desires of the Father's heart and then walk in obedience to those things. Jesus was the example of the life that He was opening up and making possible for us, restoring that which was always meant to exist, but was lost in the garden. That's what Jesus was doing, and that's the example that he gives. And we'll look at this example in Matthew 6. We knew we would be there eventually. This is the Lord's Prayer. But we're going to look at it a little bit differently. I've never heard it taught this way, um, but... How, how I'll teach it this evening is so much based on where we personally as a church, as a community, where we are, and the things that the Lord has highlighted in this. It's a beautiful thing uh, to reread Scripture that you've read your entire life in the season that you're in and allow the Lord to show you new things. And that's what we're doing tonight. So we'll start chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive those our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. What do we see reflected here? What do we see in Jesus? Because this, from verse 5 down to verse 15, is, is titled this section uh, as the Lord's Prayer. This is his, they've asked, okay, how, how, how should we pray? And, and he's answering this question, and we see this reflected in these, these verses. But What we see reflective, what stood out to me, what the Lord just 
just blew off the page for me was that we see the value system of the heart of Jesus in the moment and in the season that he's in. We see the desires of his heart, and because he has a deep relationship with God and with his heavenly Father, we see the desires of his Father who is in heaven. We see the desires of the Father's will reflected in Jesus. We can see the desires of the Father's heart in his Son. And specifically, let's look at what he speaks again in verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. What I saw, so so just commonly highlighted through that chunk of uh, Scripture, there were two things, but one (coughs) main thing was Jesus was just asking them to be genuine. If you look at this instruction, just be genuine. Be honest. Right? Be honest. Be genuine before the Father. Do not try to make yourself bigger than you are. And do not try to figure out words to say that you think will please the Father more and so He'll listen to you better. Right? How many of us do that? We know people. They call them a clanging cymbal. That they just, the second they can, they just have to start talking. And you're like, my goodness, please. I've had those times several times sitting in a church and you see that person walking up to the mic. And it's like, and you can look on the pastor's face and you're like, oh, he's worried. He doesn't know what's about to be said. Or we've seen those people that. Man, they talk about Jesus and they talk about him first and they talk about him loud and they talk about him heavy. But the second you turn around, man, they'll put a knife right in your back. They're hypocrites. We've seen them. We know them. What are these people now that stand on the street corners with repent or go to hell? Right? I don't know if you got, we don't see them as often here, but man, they're all over Houston. That's the message, the, the fire and brimstone. It's like you've missed Jesus. You are hypocrites. Because you offer no forgiveness when you've been forgiven of everything. And so I see this be genuine, signifying that the depth, and this is the greater message, and if if he's talking about be genuine, he's pointing to the possibility of relationship that he's making a way for. Just think about what he's saying to him, and we'll point that out. He's, He's signifying the depth of a genuine relationship. They don't know, but he knows that he is, a, he is making a way for this. He is making a way that they would have a deep and personal relationship with Jesus. When we know, or with, with the Father, when we read, we know the end of the story. We know how this journey ends. They didn't know this. And so when we look back at this scripture, reading it, we can see Jesus pointing to what he's about to do and what he's about to make a way for. That they will be able to engage with the presence of God. He tells them, I've never recognized the significance of this phrase in this day. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. 
They're talking, he's talking about going and engaging the presence of God on their own. He doesn't mention a priest. He doesn't mention a temple. He doesn't mention a veil. Before, to pray to God, communicate to God, they had to go and they had to make their request known to the priest who would then go and make a sacrifice on behalf of them and then speak to God for them. But he's telling them, just go in your room, shut the door. Do do you recognize how mind-boggling? They must have been like, what? Just go into my room and pray? What? They had no idea what he was talking about. But he knew what he was doing. As he's this general message of just be honest, be genuine. Because I'm about to make a way where you're going to have access and have complete and total 100% authentic relationship with God again. I'm going to restore what was lost in the garden. Our connection to our heavenly father. No longer creator and creation, but father and son. Father and daughter again. That's what he was going to do. And he's hinting at it. You can see it so clearly. He's hinting at where he's going. He's going to tear the veil that they would have relationship again. So be genuine. And I just see this general message. And how many of us struggle with just simply being genuine in our prayer. Right? How, how many of us know a very, a stare, if we were to sit down right now and eat dinner. How many of us have a just scripted prayer for dinner? Right? We grew up hearing them. Uh, and if we make our own, uh, my father, we prayed, we had, oh my goodness, I'm just saying two words and I'm stopping. Let me slow my mind down. We would have our family meal. It's one of the greatest things my parents ever did for us. I didn't realize they were doing it. We ate dinner together as a family every night when I was in their house. Every single night. And I had no idea how uncommon that was until I grew up. And then I, I left the house, and my friends would come to visit, and we would have dinner, and we'd all sit down. And they're like, do you guys always do this, or just because we're here? I was like, no, this is how we grew up. And we would sit there, and we would eat. And a lot of times, we'd be done eating, and we'd stay sitting there. We'd stay talking. And that is why... Just sidebar, that is why I have such a deep relationship with my siblings and my parents. Because for an hour, we sat uninterrupted and we were a family with no busyness. It was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, and that's just kind of this, this side deal. But my father would pray every night. And he would end that prayer, bless this food to our bodies and our bodies to thy service. Every night. I mean, boom. The first part was genuine. The second part, right, scripted. And a lot of us just have a boom. And we think it's cute. and We have kids do it and they say this scripted thing and we move on. But we miss the opportunity in our society and in our culture and in our church culture that we've had. We miss and we teach a lack of genuineness in our prayer to the Father. Like there's, there's a way you've got to do it. We look at the Lord's Prayer. It's like, you better do it like this. It's rigorous. And if you mess it up, this is how Jesus said to pray. And we miss the general message. And Jesus in this, he's just saying, just be honest before the Lord. Just be genuine. Be genuine. Speak what is on your heart. I struggle with that with uh, my kiddos. We pray every night. And sometimes it's just like, 
and we all had that moment. It's like, I don't want to pray. I don't really want to talk to you right now, Lord. But I'm before my kids. And will I offer them a fake prayer, scripted prayer, or will I push through the, the, the disheartening attitude I have and just have a conversation with them? Will that be what they see? Or will they see me scripted even when my heart is heavy? And the, Lord's, the Lord has corrected me in that. It's like, even if you're mad at me, let them see. Let them see a genuine relationship with me. Because it's possible now. Because of Jesus. We can have an honest conversation. And how powerful is it when someone stands up and they genuinely pray and cry out to God? Has there ever been a time where we're like, I wish somebody would have just given them a script to read? No, never. When someone begins to pray and they're praying genuinely and they're speaking to the Lord the the things that are burning in their heart, it's always powerful for all of us. The Lord knew what he was talking about. Be genuine before the Father. Be genuine. This is how you should pray. You should be honest, genuine, because it's a part of relationship. It's a part of our dialogue with him. And then the prayer itself, 9 through 15. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Right, and we know the end. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, But verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The value system of his heart, the value of his heart, the desires of Jesus' heart for his Father to be reconnected with creation, for heaven to be established on earth. Again, again, think about the society, think about the culture of the time when he said, our Father in, in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not been possible for the kingdom of heaven to reclaim earth because of the wages of sin. Because the vessels that heaven was meant to fill, it cannot fill until the blood of the Lamb. But it could through him. And in that time, he's the only one that could pray like this because he's the only one with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, the ability to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And he did that. And he was one. And we are many. But he's speaking to the establishing of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, the presence of God back on earth. The connection, the relationship, he's speaking to it again. Heaven to be reestablished on earth for provision, to do what, uh, what is before him and protection, uh, for him to reach the goal in a major emphasis. It's funny. A major emphasis on forgiveness. Like Jesus was there to do something with that or something. But he, at the end of it, re-emphasizes forgiveness. That's the last line of his prayer. And then he comes back and starts to talk about, if you want forgiveness, you better offer it. Because you can't, you can't receive. And this is, again, it's talking about sanctification 
So these are previous lessons that we need to listen to. If you're listening online, look up one of our lessons online about sanctification. You'll learn all about what I'm talking about next. But what's the sanctification? If I harbor unforgiveness in my heart towards my neighbor, is there any ability for me to become more like Christ in that moment? No. Because that is corrupting of the spirit, corrupting of the soul, corrupting of his creation. We are not meant to carry those things. It's Graham Cook's beautiful dream that he articulates. It's on our website if you haven't seen the video of Jesus walking to him in this dream and he's in heaven and he says, give me back my stuff. And he was terrified of Jesus. Jesus wasn't messing around. He came at him aggressively to the point where Graham Cook in his dream is on his knees pleading with Jesus. I don't know what I took in from you, taken from you. I'll give it back. I just don't know what you need, what you want. And he starts talking about unforgiveness, bitterness, brokenness, anxiety, depression. I paid a price for those things that you wouldn't have to live with them. So he's talking about the key to all of this. We will never be a united body if I harbor hatred and unforgiveness for the person next to me. How can I be connected to that person? If my right hand hates my left, how successful can I be? I need both. The body is meant to have both. And he was talking about this like he knew what he was talking about. And it's important to recognize before he leaves in John 17, before he goes back to the Father, his last prayer for us. What is it? That the unity that he has with the Father, we would have with one another. That we would have that depth of unity now that he's made a way for the presence of God to fill us. He knew the message and he knew what the Lord was trying to establish through him in his time here on earth. And we see that reflective in, in refle reflected in his instruction on how to pray. It all points to the desires of the Father's heart flowing through him for the season that he was in. It's not just a good understanding, a good general outline of how to pray to honor the Lord. Not come to him like a vending machine. But to come to him and that his will would be done. That we would desire his will above all else. As Jesus did in the garden. We see it reflective in his own personal prayers. If, if this cup can pass from me, would you take it? But nevertheless, not my will. Your will be done. We see it reflected in Jesus. He desired the will of God to be done above all else. And that's desperately needed to, for the world to see that in us, that we desire the will of God above our own breath. As Jesus did in the garden. He's our perfect example. He can't just be our perfect example sometimes. He's either perfect all the time or he's not perfect at all. And he's perfect all the time. It's the example. That the will of God would control. And I got to talk to somebody about this today. It was a beautiful, beautiful, eye-opening thing when they're, they were talking about, well, I just... They, they, we were talking about somebody else. They just need a word from the Lord. It's like, well, what if the Lord doesn't care what they do? What if they have freedom to just make a choice? Well, n no, the Lord always cares. Like, no. See, you're looking at the will of God like a narrow path on the edge of a cliff. And if you misstep, you fall off. And if you fall off, you're done. So we walk like this, 
trying not to upset God, trying not to misstep. But that's not the will of God. The will of God is this backyard, this massive space where there's freedom to move throughout it, to pick things up, put things down. There are moments where he'll call, he'll give specific instruction in that. There's moments where he'll bring correction in that. But there's a lot of freedom and free time that we have in the will of God that we don't take advantage of. That's like Sarah and I are going to Montana in September for one of my best friends' wedding. He's he's getting married up there. I don't really care for destination weddings unless they're in Montana. Then I'm all about them. Uh, And we're going. Yeah, I'll sacrifice. I'll pay that price. But that would be like us sitting there and being like, well, we can't say yes to your trip because we've got to wait on the Lord to tell us if we can go. Why would the Lord not want me to be there? And if there's a reason he doesn't want me to be there, guess what? As I start moving forward with the yes, he'll shut it down and be like, listen, something's coming. I need you, I need you here. But if we would live from the place of a yes and then allow him, desiring, desiring the will of God to be done, always and forever. See, in that moment, Jesus didn't get a response from the Father. He knew what the Father wanted him to do. He knew what he wanted him to do. He still asked, nevertheless, be your will. Let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, your will. Then he continued to move forward. He didn't sit in the garden and say, well, I've asked for this cup to pass. So are you going to take it? Or I'll just sit here and wait for the answer. No, he continued to move in obedience. And to live in freedom is obedience. For freedom, he set us free. For the freedom that he has in his will, he has set us free. We need to move more understanding that we are heirs to the kingdom of heaven. We are not servants of it. So we don't need to be afraid to come around the corner and maybe we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We need to live like heirs to a kingdom where when I walk down a hallway, people move. When I want something to be done on earth as it is in heaven, it will be done. Because we are royalty. And what royalty do you know that walks throughout its kingdom with hesitancy? No, they walk knowing we own the place. We answer to the power that is set above everything we see. And that power has been set in us. And that power has anointed us. And that power calls us sons and daughters. Right? It's going back to, we don't conquer territory, we occupy territory. Because there's no fight in us. When the sons and daughters of the kingdom of heaven enter a place, they own that place now. Period. It's not arrogance, it's just reality. The reality of a defeated kingdom against a victorious one. Right? But we see, we see this beautiful picture of relationship, if we just take the time to read this instead of make it a legalistic thing of this is what you need to be doing, It's not about action, right? We're not human doings, we're human beings. In this prayer, if we would look at it through the human being aspect of getting to be in a relationship with God, getting to have communion with the Father because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of these things, we see that he's pointing to a relationship. And he's also reflecting the desires of the Father's heart that he has climbed in to his heart He's discovered 
the revelation. He knows what the Lord desires to do. Those desires that are in the Father's heart have become the desires of His own heart. And we're seeing those reflected in the moment. The desire of that season reflective in His instruction on prayer. And it just points to this message again. It We must be intercessors, those that regularly live and dwell in the heart of God, knowing exactly what he desires to see. And we don't just see, we don't just see what he desires. We don't just recognize it, but we partner with it. It becomes us because we desire these things more than the breath in our lungs. I would rather see his kingdom come in sundown Texas than take another breath. That's what we saw reflected in Jesus in this moment. The desires of the Father's heart consumed him completely. That even in his instruction, you saw it overflow of what the Lord desired to do through him. Because it was his every day, it was his every moment. And there's so much beauty added to this passage of how to pray. If we recognize the significance of the relationship that he had with the Father and the relationship he was making possible for us by his sacrifice. It is a relationship. And I had, this, I had this thought. You know, we've talked about the discomfort that we have as Christians with prayer and worship. In all of this, you know, we see the value system of Jesus' heart. We see what was important to him and what wasn't. And what was important to him was the desires of the Father's heart. The will of God being done on earth through him. That was what was important. And so I had this thought. I wonder. Maybe some of our discomfort with prayer and worship is not the result of a practice or a lack thereof, an unfamiliarness with it, but instead a recognition recognition deep within that in this moment my value system does not match the value system of the Father. In this moment, what I value and what I hold is not in the heart of God for me. And so I don't have the words to pray. How can I use a gift that is designed to articulate the desires of the Father's heart if I don't know the Father's heart? How can I rightly use that gift? Worship. Does worship start when Jay plays the piano? Absolutely not. It starts with obedience. When we are obedient to what he calls us to do, it is worship. It is music to his ears. When his children choose his will and not their own, that is worship. That is worship, and that's where worship starts for us. So how can I ever be comfortable in worship if I am never obedient? How can I ever, if somebody asks me to pray, how can I ever, ever hope to have the words to say if I do not desire what he desires? Will we ever be comfortable with those things if the relationship is not there? If the value system shown and displayed by Jesus does not exist in me. Right? And we've had these moments. I've had these moments. I meet every Monday with the administrators. And I've done that for going on eight years. In that boardroom. It's kind of crazy to think about. January, it'll be eight years. And I've sat in that room and there have been plenty of times where I've gone in there and I've just... They asked me to pray, and I'm, I'm just faking it till I make it. Because the desires of my heart do not match the desires of the Father's. And it's uncomfortable. And I feel like I'm stumbling over my words, just trying to make something up that sounds right. 
But the moments where the Lord has my attention and the desires of his heart have, flow, have flowed into me from this river that flows from his throne and it just, I'm just a piece of it. I'm just catching this river and it's flowing in me and flowing right out of me. In those moments, I have no difficulty. All I have to do is open my mouth and keep breathing. The words always come because my heart desires what his heart desires and it, the spirit just takes over and it just flows out. And we all know those moments as well. There have been moments where I've said amen and I had no idea what I just said. But it was a deep connection to the nearness of God and a recognition that his desire has consumed everything, every fiber, every cell of my being. And it just came out. It overflowed. And so I had that thought that we can't ever fully be comfortable with these two Gifts, prayer and worship, the tools that they are and the gifting that they are because they bless us richly when we participate in them. I can't ever understand them if my value system does not reflect the value system that Jesus demonstrated and that is being consumed by the desires of the Father's heart over my own will. Submitting to the will of God over what I would choose for myself. Saying yes to what He has and not Yes, to what I would rather be doing. In these moments, right? It's not all the time. It's just these moments where we have to choose this, that the value system that is reflected in the heart of Jesus is reflective in me. God making his appeal through us. Does our appeal match the appeal made by Jesus? It's meant to. It's meant to. And Jesus only got to make this appeal for three years. And we get to do it for a lifetime. It, it, it blows my mind to think about it. I was talking to Liam before people started coming in here about how to hear the voice of God. It's an interesting conversation with a six-year-old. Because he said, well, he asked me, well, what if nobody comes? I said, I'll just talk to Jesus then. And he's just, what? And there we went, down the rabbit hole. But it was... This six-year-old is having conversations about how to hear the voice of God. Come on. And he's six. And I hope to God he lives till he's 90. Can you imagine if he begins to grasp this as a six-year-old, the conversations in the life, the value system, the appeal of God he will make as a 90-year-old man when he's had all these years, 84 years of relationship with Jesus. Man, if that's not motivation to live for him right now, I don't know what will get you there. But we see this in the Lord's Prayer. And I've been, you know, in talking about prayer and worship, right? We, we talk about prayer, we very naturally go to the Lord's Prayer because that was our instruction from Jesus. And so I've just been waiting on the Lord because I knew I knew, I was like, this, I'm not just supposed to teach the way this is always taught. There's something different for this. And he, he just, I, w- I was sitting at my computer on Monday, and he said, the value system of his heart is what I want them to see. I was like, whoa! Just blew my mind as he's talking about this. And he wasn't talking, when he said, I want them to see, he wasn't talking about you guys. He's talking about the people that I will encounter, that we will encounter. I want them to see my value 
the value of my heart, the desires of my heart reflected in you, and I want them to see that it is your utmost priority. It is what gives you life every day and every moment of every day. And that's what we see demonstrated by Jesus because he could not help but overflow with what the Lord was going to do through him. They ask him a question every single time. Look at every parable. Look at every conversation. What overflows now that we know the end of the story is what the Lord desired to do for the rest of the world through his son Jesus. Every single conversation. We see it reflected the desires of the Father's heart lived out through Jesus. And that's what prayer is meant to be for us. That we would have the desires of the Father's heart so consuming us that when we open our mouths, that gifting would just take hold of prayer. That tool of prayer would take hold and we would just overflow and speak out the desires of our heart that match the desires of His. And in that place, we operate in the fullness of that gifting of prayer and intercession. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.